Amen. Amen. Man, if I could think of one song that would be the anthem of the church, I think it's that one. All hail King Jesus. I mean, I'm just, I, I just got to say it. Does that fire you guys up or not? Yeah or no? Because sometimes I wonder that we can have this great king of glory who has literally freed us from the pangs of sin and death. And sometimes it's just like, how can that be boring? Like it can't. That's the anthem of the church is all hail King Jesus. Beast Feast is coming. And the main reason for Beast Feast is this, to proclaim Jesus to as many people as we'll hear. There are a lot of people that will come to Beast Feast that would never set foot in the doors of a church, and therefore they will never hear the gospel possibly if we don't go after them. So we're going after them. But I want to say one thing. As that slide went up, we say it's all free. Yeah, it's all free. But you're thinking nothing is free, which I say agreed, except the gospel. The gospel is free. Nothing else is free. So here's what we're doing is last year it was free. It was a free event. And I'm going to kick this mic under here before I step on it. It was a free event, but we literally, everything was donated for it. It's not like we had this huge item, line item in the church budget that came out to pay for Beast Feast. God's people just rallied and did that thing. Because we don't have like this extreme surplus of church budget where we're like, oh yeah, we're going to just dump like 25K into Beast Feast. We don't, but God does. And he uses his people, and that's why at this church, we're going to take steps of faith, and we're going to believe him for more. And we're going to believe him to provide just like he did last year, and he provided for every single need. All the prizes were donated. We didn't even, well, we probably bought a fly rod and something else. But everything else was donated, and you guys who were there saw the prizes. They were incredible. This year, the same thing. We're believing God for more, and we're believing him to reach people that are far from Christ. So I hope that that's something that we can get excited about as a church. Amen? Really? That's it? Man, we need some life in this room. I'm just saying. Do we need, like, the cheer squad up here or something? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. But we do need life. I'm not kidding about that. I'm kidding about the cheer squad. So here we go as we enter into more of what Jesus is talking about in the Beatitudes. In July 4th, 1776, a document was written, approved by Congress, stating the principles on which the government and our identity as Americans was to be based upon. And in this document, there's a statement that says this, I quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Nothing had ever been written like this before, anywhere around the world. America was this new idea of a country founded under God based upon biblical principles by which he would bless. A country that would honor God at its very foundation. And God blessed this country unlike any other country on earth. And from that blessing came this idea of the American dream. You've probably heard of it, right? 
This dream, this American dream, has kind of ebbed and flowed, and it's probably changed over different eras and different seasons as a country of what that really means. But if I could boil it down, I would say this, what the American dream is today. The opportunity for prosperity, success, and happiness for anyone who desires and is willing to work hard enough for it. At its core, it's the pursuit of happiness, and it's the pursuit of blessedness. See, we have followed after these words, after the words of the Declaration of Independence ever since July 4th of 1776. This idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and we have called it and we have labeled it the American dream. And yet, it's crazy because I did some research this week, and statistics show that Americans are more happy, unhappy now than we ever have been in the history of our country. And yet, we're pursuing happiness. We're going after blessedness, and yet we're completely unhappy. I want you to listen to some of these titles from different headlines in recent polling sites. It says this. One is, New data shows Americans are more miserable than we've been in a half a century. Ouch. <laughs> Another one says, why are Americans getting unhappier? Or how about Americans are the unhappiest they've been in 50 years, polls find. Or American happiness hits record lows. Why aren't Americans happier? And lastly, Americans are getting more miserable and there's data to prove it. It's really sad. That's really sad in a country that was given this American dream, and they say, well, yeah, we're just to pursue happiness, pursue the things that make you click, pursue the things that will give you joy. See, everyone is pursuing happiness, yet we're becoming more unhappy. The world, really, if we're honest, and I want to be happy, don't miss it. I want to be happy. I want to be blessed. Like, why? anyone in their right mind would not say, oh, yeah, I just love being depressed, and I love being Eeyore, and, yeah, my life's just awful, but it's like the greatest thing ever. No. We want to be happy as a people. We want to be blessed. We want the blessing of God, but the world is seeking for happiness. There's no doubt about it. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone. And if you're in this place, you're like, I don't even want to be happy. I just hate life. You're, that's just, you're a liar. <laughs> you want to be happy deep down. Everyone wants to be happy deep down. See, this is the great motive behind every act, every ambition, all the work, all the striving, all the effort. Everything that the world pursues revolves around happiness. It just does. And if we're honest, we think happiness revolves around ease and comfort. We all pursue it, this ease and comfort. If I could just not work as much, I would be happy. If I was just a trust funder, I would be happy. If I could just hunt all the time, I would be happy. Why? Because it would be easier. There would be more comfort in that. There would be more ease. But here's the great tragedy of the world, that though we give ourselves to seek after happiness, most of us never find it. And most of us are left feeling completely and utterly The more we pursue happiness, the less happy we become, the more empty we feel. Why? Because we have based our entire pursuit of happiness upon a man-inspired document called the Declaration of Independence. 
we have missed, we have not, we have not pushed into this spirit-inspired document that God has written that tells us how to be happy and satisfied, how to be full. We're like, oh yeah, if I just pursue happiness, I will be happy. No, not according to Jesus. You want to be satisfied and filled? Jesus says, hunger and thirst for righteousness, not happiness, and then you shall be satisfied. And then you shall be filled. But that is a spirit-inspired document, what Jesus said, and yet we run after this man-made, man-inspired document that thinks, if I just pursue the happiness of the world, my life will be great and it'll all fall into place. It's a flat-out lie. So what we're going to see today is Jesus is really giving us the key to a satisfied life, the key to a blessed life, the key to a happy life, and we all want it, right? If you're not lying, you would say, amen, yeah, I want that. We all want that at our core. And Jesus has told us how to find it. See, man said, don't miss it, as we're about to launch into verse 6. Man says this, we hold to these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Jesus is essentially saying the gospel is what gives life and liberty. First off, that's what gives life and liberty and blessing, and it is grounded upon, don't miss it, the pursuit of righteousness, not happiness. We often pursue after happiness as our end game, and we miss it every time. But if we would pursue Christ and his righteousness, if we would pursue him and what he has called us to do, the outcome is a filled and a satisfied life. Chapter 5, verse 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. God, I pray this morning that as we enter into your word with the few minutes that we have, God, that you would do the things that my voice cannot. God, I just pray right now by the power of your spirit that you would breathe life into this room. God, come alive in this place. In the hearts and lives of people in me, God, would you excite us for the things of you? Would we not just get in this vein of pursuing happiness and all the things the world offers and promises, and then leaving empty yet again. God, I pray right now by the power of your spirit that you would invade this room, that you would invade the hearts in this room, God, and that we would not leave here feeling empty and unsatisfied, but we would leave here feeling filled and completely satisfied because of what you have promised if we will lean in. God, I'm asking you to move in this place and do things that I cannot. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. See, we are not to hunger and thirst after blessedness or happiness, Jesus says. But we often put happiness and blessedness as the one thing we desire. And as a result, it continually eludes us. Because our target's wrong. We're shooting at the wrong target. According to the Bible, happiness is never something that should be sought directly It is always something that results from seeking something else. In other words, Jesus and his righteousness. That's what produces happiness. That's what produces blessedness is when we know who this great king of glory is. 
But the problem is, if we're honest, most of us seek after happiness and we seek after the blessing of God and we don't really seek after the heart of God. We just want his blessing. We just want his happiness, but we don't really want his heart. Hey, God, just give me the best career. God, give me a great husband or a wife. God, give me all the things that I desire. And yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll kind of seek after you a little bit here and there when you give it, but I don't really want anything to do with you. Really all I want is your blessing. Really all I want is this happiness. And when that becomes our end goal, we miss it. See, we put a whole lot of effort working for things that we think will make us happy, things that define us. Could be new gear, it could be a boat, it could be a camper which would be more time with family or clothes or shoes or retirement or a new house or a new job or a new position. And the list could go on and on. And please hear me. These are amazing things. These are not bad things. Did you know that because God wants us to be happy and blessed, he has given us things for our enjoyment. They're amazing things. I would love to have a camper and a boat. I can't afford it, but I would love it, right? It would be amazing. It's just that's not the end game. That will not fulfill you in the end, and you will be left unsatisfied. Looking for something that you just want your heart to grip to, but you can't figure out what it is. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they, mark it, promise, will be satisfied. It's a promise. And anytime God promises something, you can take that baby to the bank. It's the greatest deposit slip ever. That one's loaded. That's like well beyond the 50 million that I deposited last week. <laughs> I wish. No, that's God's promise, his deposit guaranteeing that if you will hunger and thirst after him, if you will run after him, he will satisfy. It's his promise. Jesus is saying there is a way to not only be blessed and happy, but fully satisfied. See, a lot of us can feel happiness and blessedness in all the things of the world. It's great. They're amazing things. Don't miss it. I'm not saying you can't be happy without Jesus. I'm not saying you can't have joy without Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. There's a whole lot of things that can offer a fleeting happiness and a fleeting joy. What I am saying is nothing will fully satisfy is what Jesus is saying other than him in the pursuit of righteousness. There's a difference in satisfaction and this fleeting happiness. So what is righteousness? Well, if I could put it one way, I'll just put it this way. The pursuit of righteousness is really this, a deep desire to be right with God. Very simple, but that's how I would define it. This deep desire, knowing that I really, like, I have fallen short. I know that. That's why Jesus had to come. And there's this desire, like, I just want to be right with God. I just want to walk with him. I want to be with him. I want to please him. I want to do all of this. Now, the problem is, don't miss it, is we can often shift this mindset to I want to please God to all the things that I have to do for him to please him. We saw all throughout Galatians that's not true. But it's this desire to just be near to your creator, this desire that you would be right with God. I would put it this way. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write it down. I meant to put it on the screens, and I forgot to send it to Noah. So I'll go slow, and I'll repeat it twice. It's this. To be free from the power of sin in all its forms and free from the desire for sin in all its snares. 
The pursuit of righteousness is this, to be free from the power of sin in all its forms. That's your desire, to be free from that, and free from the desire for sin in all its snares. If I'm pursuing righteousness, my desire is not just to run from God and run into my old way of life. That's not pursuing righteousness, and that will not satisfy What will satisfy is seeing God and his greatness, where you have come from, and said, man, Jesus, that's all I want is you. I'm just running after you because I know I'm jacked up and I know you're amazing. So I'm just running after you, Jesus. That's the pursuit of righteousness. And Jesus says, if you will do that, you will be satisfied. See, righteousness involves both two big words. Ready? Justification and sanctification. If you're new to church, I will define them. They're big words, but they're beautiful words. Justification is basically this, knowing you have been declared righteous by the king of heaven. That it's nothing you did, that it's nothing you earned, and it's nothing that you could ever earn. But Jesus came to set you free, to declare, so that God would declare you righteous despite your sin. That's justification. It's basically a right standing with God is righteousness but it's also sanctification which is this walking in that righteousness becoming more like jesus god is saying not only have i set you free and declared you righteous that your sin doesn't have to define you your past doesn't have to define you the things that are tearing you down don't have to define you i define you But when you really find your identity in me, you will run towards me because you will want to be more like me. That is the pursuit of righteousness. Pursue Jesus with everything that you have. That's the pursuit of righteousness. And God is saying, Jesus is saying, if you will pursue me with everything that you have, you don't even have to have the answers. He said, just come to me and I'll give you the answers as we walk. Like, don't just, I can't run to Jesus. I don't even know anything about him. Guess what the first step of running is? The first step, take a step towards him and watch what he'll do. That is pursuing righteousness. One step. This morning, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're far from God. Here's your one step. God, would you just show me yourself? God, would you just show me something about who you are in the face of who I am, and I can't step or I'll fall off the stage. (laughs) One step, that is the pursuit of righteousness. If you're saved in here, what's your next step? Hey, God, what's, what's my next faithful step? We talk a lot about it. Pursuit of righteousness. Running towards Jesus, not backing from him. It's a pursuit of righteousness. And God says, then you will be satisfied. See, that is what we should hunger and thirst for, is to know God and walk with him. So what is it to hunger and thirst? In the Greek, the word hunger literally means to feel the, to feel the pangs of a lack of food. This like starvation inside of you is really what it means. To desire something very strongly is to hunger. And to thirst is brilliant, to have a desire for liquid, <laughs> You ever been parched? I have. I'm starting to get it right now. In fact, my mouth is starting to cotton up, which, Caroline, can you please throw me that water bottle because I really am thirsting. Thank you. I may not be able to finish if I don't take a gulp. But see, it's the deepest desire of your soul. 
should be for righteousness for Christ. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this in regards to hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And he defines this whole idea of what does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness. He defines it as this. One supreme desire in life is to know God and be in fellowship with him. To walk with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the light. It's one of the biggest terms in that whole thing, in the light. The pursuit of righteousness is not hiding in the darkness and not hiding from God because you're ashamed of your sin and not living some life over here in the dark that it would never be seen in this building in church. It's pursuing God. It's walking in the light. It's pursuing after Jesus and taking that one more step, pursuit of righteousness. God, show me yourself, pursuit of righteousness. Hey, God, I want more of you and less of me, pursuit of righteousness. That's what it means. And Jesus is saying if you'll hunger, if you'll starve for that, you will be satisfied. So what does it mean to hunger and thirst? Really, I could sum it up this way. Something that keeps on until it is satisfied. Think of it this way. You all have probably had this dream job or this dream position that maybe you have longed for and maybe it's never come or maybe it's a newfound love, whatever it may be in your camp. But something that you have really longed for, that you have desired for. And let's say this new love or this new position comes along and you're given an offer. And they're like, hey, I really want to explore this option with you. And I don't know what's going to happen. But literally all you can think about from that point forward is this position. Like, you're restless. You can't sleep. You think about it all the time. You dream about it all the time. You talk about it. It becomes this controlling aspect of your life. It becomes really your sole ambition because your mind is just focused on like, man, if I could have that position, if I could do that for work, it wouldn't even be work. Could you imagine that? And like you're just captivated by it. All your attention is stolen towards it as you ponder this new position or this newfound love. See, to hunger and thirst is the same thing that a hunger and thirst for Christ, it's all you long for. It's all you desire. I had it right out of seminary. There was a job opportunity that I thought may come to fruition. Uh, Matt Chandler called me and said, hey, Luke, we're looking to roll off our South Lake campus, and I think you would be a great fit. Would you like to explore the option? And one, when Matt Chandler called me, I was like, well, heck, yeah, I want to explore the option. But two, I was like overwhelmed by there's no way I could do this. And for months, a couple months, two, three months, like it just kept not happening and stuff would turn around. But I'm telling you, my whole focus was like South Lake. Southlake, Southlake, Southlake. Man, could you imagine the ministry we could do in Southlake? Could you imagine? Like, that, that's just like me. That would fit so perfectly. And my, all my desires, all my passions, all my mental energy, all my emotion went to what God may be doing in Southlake. And Jesus is saying, hey, Luke, how about you take that same ambition, that same desire, and just focus it towards me? That's a pursuit of righteousness. How about rather than worrying about the end game, why don't you just worry about walking with me and I'll unfold your story. 
Pursuit of righteousness is not the pursuit of a position. It's the pursuit of Christ and his holiness that you would see that the righteous robes of Christ have been wrapped around you, that you have been declared innocent in the eyes of God. There is nothing greater. That's the pursuit of righteousness. Your ambition is Jesus. Psalm 42, 1 through 2 says this, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. It's a key statement. David didn't put that in there just by happenstance. A lot of us thirst for the dead gods, the possessions, the fame, the platform, the money, the toys, the marriage. Whatever it may be, all these little dead gods, David is saying, my soul, as for me, my soul thirsts for God, the living God. The God who can atone for my sin and set me free. The God who can redeem me in a moment and as far as the east is from the west, erase my past. And all he sees is the righteousness of his son. That's the living God and only he can offer that. Pursuit of Christ. J.N. Darby says it this way. To be hungry is not enough. I must be really starving to know what it is in his heart towards me. To be hungry is not enough. It's not what it means really to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It means to be starving. Did you miss it? To know God's heart for you. Do you starve for it, or do you just, or are you just like, yeah, man, God, you're kind of a cool thing, and I, I wear you on my neck sometimes, and I used to wear that WWJD thing, and I go to church once a week, and there's really all these cool things that someone would look at me, and they would see me as righteous, but really, I don't really starve for you. I just kind of like hunger for you when I want what I want from you. When I want that position, then I'll hunger a little bit for you. When I want this new dating relationship, then I'll hunger a little bit for you. When I want this new toy, then I'll hunger a little bit for you because then maybe you'll give it to me. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying you need to starve for me, not for what I can give you and not the happiness or the blessing, but because I've already given you everything when I gave you my son to set you free. Starving for Jesus. I'm going to make a t-shirt. Starving for Jesus. <laughs> really, that's what he's saying. Starve for me that you can't be Without me. If you've been in church for any some time or known the Bible, and if you don't, that's okay, but there's a story of a prodigal son in Scripture. And Jesus says this is how the story unfolds, is there's two sons, both a son to their dad who is very wealthy, and the one son goes to his dad and says, hey, dad, I don't want to wait on my inheritance. I want it right now. Like, forget when you're dead and gone. Like, just give it to me now. So his dad gives the one son his inheritance, and this son wanders off, and the Bible says he squanders all of the money, all of his assets, everything on just this frivolous living, and he gets to a place where finally he has nothing. In fact, he had nothing to the point where the Bible says he went to work for his a master that had pigs, and he would go feed the pigs, and he got to the point where he was so hungry that he began to eat the husks that the pigs were eating because he was hungry. He had everything, and then he left, and now he has nothing, and he's hungry. But guess what? 
he didn't return home to his father till he was starving. When he finally was like, hey, I can't eat any more husks from pigs, and I can't stand the fact of rolling around with them, I went from hungry to starving for what? His father's view of him. He knew what he came from. He had it all, yet he had wanted to steal it for himself, and now he finds himself hungry, and pretty soon it went from hungry to starving, and what did starving cause him to do? Run back home. You know what his father did? The Bible says when he came, he saw his son running from a long ways off, and he just said, man, kill the fatted calf, get the feast ready. Our son has come home, and he gave him a big old bear hug and said, finally, my son, you have come home. It took him being starving to get him to return, but when he returned, his father welcomed him with open arms, and God does the exact same thing to you and me. That when we will get to a place where we are starving for him, not just hungry. Hungry can be sustained on your own merit and your own strength. You can get by hungry. You can't get by starving. Jesus is saying, when you will starve for me, when you will hunger and thirst, this starving aspect, you're so quenched that you can't even... You can't even barely talk because you're so thirsty. Just come back to me and watch what I'll do as I welcome you home. But you have to starve if you want to be filled. And you have to starve if you want to be satisfied. See, this is the most amazing part about this promise, is that you will be satisfied. Literally, it means this, that you will experience inward satisfaction. Has your boat really given you a great inward satisfaction completely filled? Has your position that you have hungered for really given you this, really this inward satisfaction? Has all the things that you've built your entire world around really given you this idea of an inward peace, an inward satisfaction that you can say, man, it is well with my soul, come hell or high water, it is well. Because Jesus is saying that if you will hunger for him, that's what you receive is this inward satisfaction, this inward fulfillment that the world and the devil cannot steal. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be completely satisfied. They will have no more need. They will receive this inward peace, joy, contentment, feeling of lacking nothing. But most of us, if we're honest, often hunger for the fame, possessions, power, comfort, ease, platform, or anything to benefit us with an outcome of still feeling empty and unsatisfied. Jesus is saying, if you will hunger and thirst for me, you will be satisfied and filled. Elk season is right around the corner, and I love it. I am not in shape for it, nor will I, I probably won't get out, but a few years ago, I shot an elk way back in. Like, I'm talking miles when I was actually in shape. I struggle now to even push the baby stroller up Summer's Hill. The other day, I went with Asher, and I was like, good grief. There's no way I'm packing elk. I can't even get up the paved road in Summer's. 
way out of shape. But I was in shape then, and I shot this elk, and we had some people come back in and help us. And I think Scott actually might have been on this trip, but I don't remember. If you weren't, it was a different one. But someone was with me on this trip, and we were in there. We had backpacked in, because I love backpack hunting. And I just remember we had run out of mountain houses, this dehydrated food that you kind of live on when you're in the mountains. It's great, unless you can't find water, then it's pretty, that'll part you. But we shot this elk, and man, I was so hungry. Like, I was beyond hungry. I was to the starving point. And the whole time, me and my buddy were talking, we're like, and it might have been Scott. There might have been, I don't remember. This was years ago. But I remember one thing. It was, man, when we get back to Bozeman, we're hitting the Chinese buffet. All you can eat. We're just going to gorge ourselves. I can't even wait. And like the whole, every step out of there, I was just like about to die. And I was thinking, Chinese buffet, Chinese buffet, Chinese buffet, Chinese buffet. And it wasn't necessarily that I love Chinese. It was just like, man, just fill my belly because I am just famished. So we get to the Chinese buffet. And boy, did we eat. In fact, they may have had to roll me out of the restaurant. But I ate so much Chinese food that I left feeling sick. Shocker, imagine that. It's a little thing called wisdom and discernment I lacked greatly. Stuffed, sick. I walked out there. I was like, oh gosh, that Chinese buffet sounded so good until right now. And now I had everything I desired in my belly everything the Mongolian beef, the sweet and sour, the rice, the egg rolls, the everything you could list probably one of every buffet. And it was a huge buffet all in my belly. And I was stuffed. And what did I feel? Sick, not satisfied. Caroline, when I've been on an anniversary dinner, well, we've been on eight of them because we've been married eight years, but one of them, I think I got a prime rib. I love prime rib, medium rare, the more blood, the better. You may call me sick, but I don't care. It's amazing. The portion was not real big. It was fairly small, and there was a side of vegetables, and I looked at it. I was like, how is this going to fill me? There's no way. Look at this little dinky thing. I need every, but no, I just ate it. I savored the taste, and it was amazing because I left not stuffed, but satisfied. You see the difference? See, what we do in life is we try to take life on as the Chinese buffet and say, yeah, give me the boat, give me my assets, give me my possessions, give me my family, give me all this stuff and cram it into me because I know that it will fill me and I know that I will leave just feeling great after I've shoved it all inside of me. What does it do? It leaves you sick and uneasy. Jesus is saying, if you will eat the prime rib dinner that I've given you, the best of all, with the vegetables, just enough to satisfy, which is me, you don't need all these other sides in your life. You need me. You need me, and I will satisfy. You need me and me alone, and you will be filled, but not gorged and not sick. That's what Jesus is saying. What are you jamming into your belly? What kind of Chinese are you eating? Name it. Is it satisfying? It's a question. Are all the things that you're trying to find fulfillment in actually giving you life? Or are they leaving you sick and wanting to roll out of the building because you've had way too much? Jesus says, I don't give you too much. 
I give you myself, which is just enough, which is sufficient for today. If you will take one step towards righteousness, I will fill. Throw the other garbage out and watch how great you will feel. See, we crave stuffed, not satisfied. That's what we crave, stuffed. As much stuff as I can stuff into my life will fulfill. It doesn't satisfy. It may stuff, but it doesn't satisfy. Jesus is saying, come to me and you will never be hungry and you will not be stuffed with excess of things, but you will be fully satisfied in me and me alone. That's life. That's liberty. And that, at its core, is the pursuit of happiness because you have pursued Christ and he has given you happiness. It's what he desires. John 7, 37 says this. If anyone thirsts, Jesus says, let him come to me and drink. He's saying if any of you are in the point where you're in the desert and you are just famished and you are starving and you can't go on and there's like no more hope in your life, like you're starting to see mirages that you think are water and food and palm trees and oasis and every time you reach it, it just goes further away and then you see the next mirage and you're still more thirsty and you're still more hungry and then you keep marching trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment and then the next mirage comes up and you just start chasing mirages Jesus says you'll chase them until the day that you die. But if you thirst, if you will come to me, you will be satisfied. That's what he's saying. He's not talking about physical thirst. He's talking about the thirst of your soul that only he can give, that only he can offer. He's given it to you freely. It's the only free gift on the planet. Isaiah 55, 1 through 2 says this. I think I have this one for the screens. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, God says, and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Man. He's saying, why give all your time and all your money to the things, to food and all this stuff that doesn't really matter when you could just come to me? When you could lay down your stuffed life and you could lay down your confusion and you could lay down your rejection and you could lay down your hurts from the past in some other church or some other Christian experience. And you could come to me and find the fullness of life. You could come to me and you could see for the first time who I am. And I will guarantee there is someone in this room right now who is hungry and thirsty. And they're at the point where you're at the end of your rope. And you're like, God, I'm, I'm almost done. Like, I'm in the desert and I am parched. It's not necessarily for you, but I'm parched for something that will satisfy. I've come here this morning to tell you the only one and the only thing that will satisfy that is Jesus alone. None other. And if you will get to the place this morning, whatever you're at, where you will hunger for him and you will thirst for him, he will satisfy.
And maybe you've been saved a long time, and you're like, I'm just in a season where God, it doesn't even make sense. I thought you loved me, God. But now it's like the world does like my life just spiraled out of control, and it makes zero sense to me. If you were good, how did this happen? I just want to encourage you, continue to hunger. Continue to thirst. Continue, God, show me yourself, pursuit of righteousness. And he will respond. See, Jesus is essentially saying, don't get the cart in front of the horse. Hunger and thirst for me, not blessing. Blessings are found in me. But we often reverse that, and we want the things that we want, so we run after them, and we just miss Jesus. We miss his heart. He's saying, pursue me in my heart, and blessing will fall. See, we often hunger and thirst for blessing, not righteousness. And as a result, we miss the blessing. Did you know that God wants to bless his people? The whole point of the Beatitudes, the whole thing is blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. God desires you to live this fullness of life. But when you chase the blessing, you will miss the blessing every time. When you chase the heart of God, the blessing of God will fall upon your life. And you can't contain it. And it's not always in cars and toys and money. It's something that only he can offer and only he can give. The blessing is this, an inward satisfaction that he knows you and loves you and has called you his own. That is blessing. Don't miss the blessing. Don't miss what God wants to do in your life because he wants to open the heavens and the floodgates of heaven to bless you, but you have to pursue his heart. Don't get the cart in front of the horse. See, you want blessing? You want to be satisfied? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst for Jesus. Think of it this way. If you're starving for pizza, where do you go? Subway? Some of you are like, wait, what? Did I just miss something? No, you don't go to Subway. You go to Pizza Hut. You go to Little Caesars. You go to Rosa's. If you're starving for Chinese, where do you go? A Chinese restaurant. If you're hungry for subs, you go to Subway or Firehouse or Jimmy John's or whatever. If you're hungry for Mongolian, you go to a Mongolian restaurant. Jesus is saying, if you are truly hungry for me, you will come to me. You will run to my throne. You will run to my heart. You will pursue me at all costs because you're hungry for me. And if you're not hungry for me, you won't run to him. You just won't. If I'm not hungry for pizza, or if I want pizza, I'm not going to go to Hoo Hut. Because I'm not hungry for that. I'm hungry for pizza. The question is, who or what are you hungry for this morning? You want blessing? Be hungry for Jesus. You want satisfaction? Be hungry for Jesus. You want fulfillment? Be hungry for Jesus, for only he can satisfy. As we wrap up, there's a couple quotes that I want to read to you, and one is from F.F. Bruce, and I think he sums this up very well. This idea of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, he says this. 
The soul's deepest thirst is for God himself. This is what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. The soul's deepest thirst is for God himself who has made us so that we can never be satisfied without him. Did you miss it? God has created every one of you in this room, including me. God has created you in a way that, that, that you can only be satisfied in him. It's just how we're wired. Like, we can't have it any other way. That is how he created us, is a need for him, a desire for him. So when we go elsewhere, we cannot be satisfied because it's not how we were created. You were created in the image of Almighty God, in his image, in his likeness. And do you know what that does? means you can only be satisfied with him. That's satisfaction. That's the only way you will be filled is with Jesus. This is what Jesus is saying. It is impossible to be fully satisfied without me, for this is how you were created, and this is how I wired you, was to hunger and thirst after me. But we often run to all the things that we think will fill, but only Jesus will satisfy. The band wants to come up. We're going to wrap it up. I want you to hear this quote by David Platt, and I have this for the screens. He says this. When we truly come to Christ, our thirst is quenched by the fountain of life, and our hunger is filled with the bread of heaven. We discover that Jesus is the supreme source of satisfaction, and we want nothing apart from him. We realize that he is better than all the pleasures, pursuits, plaudits, and possessions of this world combined. As we trust in Christ, he transforms our tastes, don't miss this, in such a way that we begin to love the things of God that we once hated. He's saying you begin to love those attributes of God that once you detested, that once you thought were just horrible of God and you just begin to love those attributes about him. And then he says this, and we begin to hate the things of this world that we once loved. That's what it means to hunger, thirst for righteousness. For then you will be satisfied. What are you hungering for this morning? What are you thirsting for this morning? Maybe, just maybe, you need to change your appetite. Maybe your appetite needs to be changed from the china buffet to the prime rib. Smaller, satisfied, fulfilling, not gorged. If your appetite has been for the things of the world, it will let you down every time. If your appetite is for Jesus and Jesus alone, he will fulfill every time. And you can run to him with no condemnation. And you can run to him knowing that you can bring him whatever you're struggling with in your marriage, in your family, personally, in your business, in life, whatever. You can bring it all to him. And he will open his hands and say, thank you for bringing to me what only I can fix. Thank you for bringing to me the things that I have 
given to you, but now just find satisfaction in me. See, I want to end with this. The goal is not a stuffed life. It is a satisfied life. That's the goal. That's Jesus' goal. That's the whole reason he came was not to stuff you, not so we could be stuffed with all the things the world offers and promises to give and lays at your feet and promises the world and promises everything. And we just stuff and stuff and stuff until we're so tired and we're so full that we just want to roll on down the highway and give up because we can't even walk. Jesus is saying, you missed it. The goal has never been a stuffed life. It's been a satisfied life. It's been a filled a fulfilled life, and it's found only in me, will you come? So as we wrap up, here's the question. If you have been filling your life with all the things but Christ, today is the day to turn and to come to him. Today is the day to leave empty. You maybe came in this place stuffed and gorged with the Chinese buffet, and Jesus is saying, I'm offering so much more. Would you just come to me and let me satisfy If you are far from Christ and you don't know him, today is the day. This is the gospel that we were all sinners. We were all unsatisfied. We were all just guilty of pursuing the desires of the flesh. And Jesus said, if you will turn to me and if you will realize that you can't save yourself, only I can save you, only I can steal the sting of death, only I can steal this this idea that you are born into sin, that you are just, you have to be declared righteous in my sight, come to me. And when I hung on the cross, if you believe that it counted for you, you will be satisfied and you will be filled. You just have to believe. Come to him. Because I promise you, no matter how long you run towards everything else the world offers, you will not be satisfied. If you're in this place and you've been saved for a long time, if you need to change your appetite, change it. And run to him. And watch what he will do. With a surrendered life, he will fill it to the brim and blessing will follow. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the things that you're doing, how you're moving. God, I pray there's someone in this room that is far from you that you would draw them near right now. God, that they would see that they will just run to you and turn to you, that you will set them free with no strings attached. You're just like the prodigal. You're just like the father who the prodigal son ran home. When, when he ran home, the father was standing there with open arms, prepared a feast of the best of everything, and that's what you do to your people who run to you. You give us the best. So God, would you show someone their need for you this morning, and would they run to you? And for us that have been with you for a long time and walking with you, God, would you change our appetite to the things of you? that we would not stuff our lives with things that don't matter, but that we would just run to you and that you would fill us and you would satisfy us to the full measure with you and you alone. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.